Uh, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are our Father and that we can come to you as your children. We ask now that you would uh, speak to us. We thank you for the liturgy and for all uh, those who knew you so well who formed uh, this liturgy have promised to uh, those of us who have come behind. Um, uh, and we thank you for its richness and its fullness and its scriptural base. And we ask, Lord, that you would now teach us and that you would get, make our hearts open to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's get back just a little bit and get a little reverb. Um, so last week we started in on the um, post-communion prayer. Uh, and I, I think I said last week just... Um, I was, we were in church about six months or so ago and, and praying the post-communion prayer, and I was struck afresh with just, just what, what a rich prayer it is and, and how, uh, how much it, it offers to us and declares to God that we believe. And yet the, um, the liturgy is, you know, it's so wonderful. And, and yet a lot of times uh, we, it becomes rote and we forget uh, what it is exactly that we are praying. Um, the, uh, I, I said, I've said it several times before, I said it last week, I, I, many times, and I had to stop myself today, uh, praying the liturgy, uh, just thinking about other things. And um, I'm saying it out loud, but having a whole other conversation uh, while, uh, in my mind while, while I'm praying it out loud. So, uh, so it's good sometimes just to pause on different aspects of, of the liturgy. Uh, the way to, to sort of solve that problem is is to think vertically, and uh, and to really use the words to to pray. Sort of set your heart um, towards the Lord, uh, and and think of Him as you are praying. That um, that works until until your mind wanders. So, um, <laughs> it, for me, it's just a constant you know, bringing myself back, bringing myself back. Um, so let's say together the uh, the. Prayer. Many of us is, um, just just received communion, and we prayed the same prayer. We can um, we can pray it again, uh, or we can recite it if, if you're if you're about if you have not gone to church yet. And uh, anyway, you can set your heart however you want to. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, the second second half of the prayer, but let's just say it together. Uh, Almighty and ever living God, we most heartily thank thee for that thou dost feed us in these holy mysteries with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of Thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and dost assure us thereby of Thy favor and goodness towards us, and that we are very members in corporate in the mystical body of Thy Son, the blessed company of all faithful people, and are also heirs through hope of Thy everlasting kingdom. And we humbly beseech Thee, O Heavenly Father, so to assist us with Thy grace that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all such good works as Thou hast prepared for us to walk in. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with Thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. So last week we said that there are sort of two sections, two postures in this prayer. One, the first part, the longer part being a posture of thanksgiving uh, for all that we have uh, received in the Eucharist and for what the Eucharist, uh, the, the Lord's Supper, uh, assures us of. We have been fed uh, by the spiritual food of the body and blood of Christ, received in the bread and the wine. And we have, um, and that sacrament of the body and blood of Christ uh, points us to the gospel. And it, therefore, it assures us 
by pointing us to the gospel that we are sinners who have been saved by the God who loves us, um, whose judgment we stood before, and yet who took the, that, His own judgment upon Himself. Uh, his body and blood point us to that truth, and therefore we are assured of His favor and His goodness towards us. And we are assured also that we are uh, very members of His, uh, His body, the mystical body of His Son, the blessed company of all faithful people. That's the church. Now, the, um, the theologians, uh, they have many times made the distinction between the visible church and the invisible church. The visible church is those people that, that you can see uh, in church. And in the invisible church are the ones who believe it, whether they're in church uh, or not. And so, um, and so we are assured, though, of, his, of our place in heaven by the fact of that, um, that we have been reconciled to God and the, and, and the, uh, the sacrament of His body and blood points us to that. And so we heartily thank God um, for that. And so we are now at our thir- third and last thing that, that this prayer says, that we are declaring to God, we are thanking God uh, that we know that we are also... Uh, in addition to his favor, having received his favor and goodness, in addition uh, to being uh, in corporate members in, in the church, the mystical body of his son, we are heirs. And we are heirs through hope of his everlasting uh, kingdom. And so, um, so that's the final thing that we are assured of our, in, this, in the sacrament, or at least the final thing that the prayer says that we are. And so um, the sacrament points us uh, to uh, the truth that this world is not our last stop. Thanks be to God. Uh, this world is not our last stop. We receive the body and blood of Christ by faith, and it reminds us, it assures us, uh, that God has placed His favor and His goodness upon us. But that's not all. And, and, and it, it, we are also um, assured that we are saved into the fellowship of other believers. But that's not all. Uh, we are also saved into the fellowship. Uh, in, a, in addition to being saved into fellowship with other believers, we are actually and substantially uh, saved into fellowship with God, uh, Almighty and ever-living God. And so we are saved in, uh, into fellowship with Him, both uh, now, which we have in part, and um, that is what we have now is just a shadow of what we will have, the reality that is to come, when we are with Him uh, in heaven. And so uh, we have been reconciled uh, to Him through the body, body and blood of Christ, uh, given to uh, us, poured out, broken and poured out for us on the cross, which we uh, receive that in the Eucharist, and that uh, has reconciled us to God. And we have that in part now, and we will have that in full. Interesting that all the verbs about the kingdom in Scripture, except for maybe one, all the verbs about the kingdom in Scripture are all passive. Uh, we, don't, um, we don't build the kingdom. We don't advance the kingdom. Uh, we receive the kingdom. The kingdom is something that happens to us. Now, there is a verse that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Uh, but that is, uh, that, is a, 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 um, that is because the kingdom is already at hand. That's, that's given to us in the Sermon on the Mount. And, um, and that is, uh, uh, Jesus has already said, uh, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom has already come. So seek the kingdom. The kingdom is already home. We we receive our salvation. We don't achieve it. We know that. We've said that, say that so many times. We can't say it too many times. We receive our salvation, uh, not achieving it. It's by that reception uh, that we know that we are headed 
uh, to heaven. We inherit the kingdom. We are heirs of the kingdom. And we are heirs through Christ, through His sacrifice, through His uh, grace to us. Now, um, we are uh, we're often wearied by this world. And uh, I know that I'm not... Uh, speak that, that I, I am wearied by this world. I know that, that you are as well. Not all the time, but there are lots of times. Uh, and if we are on our own, if we're, only, if we're all by ourselves, if our faith is in our own works, if our faith is and our hope is set on our own present happiness or our own success, then this world is the doorstep of hell. If we're on our own, then this world is the doorstep of uh, of hell, but if we're in Christ, then when we are wearied by this world, it's an important thing to remember that that just because you're in Christ doesn't mean you won't be wearied by the world. Uh, he'll abide with you, you abide with him. Uh, but we're still in this broken world. But when we're wearied by the world, we re- and we receive the sacrament of His body and blood, it points us to our salvation. Uh, we are assured of our place in that um, heavenly country where there's going to be no more crying. No more tears. Every tear is wiped away. There is no sun because the Lord Himself is the light. If we are in Christ, then this world is the doorstep of heaven. Now that's... Uh, I, we can give a little credit to C.S. Lewis for that, but uh, for, for that picture, that analogy, that this world is either the doorstep of hell or the doorstep of heaven, depending on where you stand uh, with Christ. But as we um, are assured that we are we are in Christ, we are assured of God His place because of Christ, His favor and His goodness on us, um, then we are assured that we are heirs through hope uh, of His everlasting kingdom. And so we can live this world in hope that this world is not all there is. All the good things of this world are a shadow, just a fleeting glimpse sometimes of the goodness and the greatness and the glory uh, that we will uh, partake of when we come uh, to heaven. Uh, it is, you know, last week I think uh, we said I don't have a category, in a, men, a mental category for w- what uh, nothingness is, that God created all that is out of nothing. And even in my mind where there is nothing, there's, there's space. I don't have a category for nothing. In the same way, I don't have a category really for heaven. We have this sort of earth. Every earth, every descriptor we have in in um, in scripture is an analogy that is given to us with earthly images. And I don't mean to say it's going to be completely ethereal and otherworldly because it's a new heaven and a new earth. But but there's just I think there is no way that we can even imagine how how great it's going to be. How uh, you. There's not many times, I can't go very far down the road of imagining what it's going to be like without running into some scenario where there is some sort of sin or brokenness involved. Because that's all I know. And, and so if there's a complete absence of that, I just, I just don't think we really have a category for that. And, um, and yet, what we have, all we have is the, the promise that it exists, the hope that it exists. Um, I don't know what gold is clear as glass. I don't know what that looks like. It's what it says the streets will be paved with. Well, not, I mean, that's going to be fantastic, but I, can, I don't have a picture of that in my mind. Uh, how can it be gold and clear as glass? I don't know, but it's going to be incredible. But we are heirs to that. If we're heirs, then, then in some sense we, 
We own it. We own it through Christ. But we, to, to hear Paul say that we are co-heirs with Christ. If God is our Father and we are His ch- adopted children by grace, then all that Christ is privy to, we will also be privy to. And I don't really have a category for that either. I know that I won't and you won't be the, be the light, I don't think, uh, that takes the place of the sun. It's going to be incredible, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know, but I know that um, that we're heirs to that, and the, and the sacrament points us to that reality. And so we are. We thank God heartily from our hearts, courageously, zealously. We thank God uh, for that. Well, that that sort of concludes the the, uh, the section of thanksgiving, and we uh, we then move into uh, the section on um, of petition. Supplication. We're asking God. We humbly beseech Thee, O Heavenly Father, so to assist us with Thy grace, that we may continue in that holy fellowship and do all such good works as Thou hast prepared for us to walk in. So, Incidentally, this this this, this prayer we've talked. We just, if you, the sermon this morning is about the Lord's prayer. That's a great model for prayer. This is also a good model for prayer, where we have thanking. We're thanking God for what He has given us, before we're asking God to give Him what we have not yet received. Um, thanksgiving comes before asking. That's a good model. But just in this, just in the address, just in, we humbly beseech the heavenly Father. There is there is a ton. In, just in that uh, statement, we beseech thee. Beseeching, the sort of we don't use beseeching uh, in our everyday language very, very often. Uh, it's sort, it's formal. It's sort of a literary, literary way of, of saying uh, to ask urgently, uh, to entreat. We don't use that word very often uh, either. But to ask uh, with a sense of purpose, a sense of urgency, we're beseeching God. Uh, and why, why, are, why do we ask God urgently? Uh, for these things, uh, because that is these are these are the things we have need of. Not it may not be really what we want, uh, but we have need of staying in His holy fellowship. We have an urgent need of staying in the fellowship of the belie- of believers. We have an urgent need, really, to do good works. And we'll talk about that and how that fits with grace in just a minute. But we, we're beseeching God, but we're beseeching Him humbly. Um, we've been given many uh, assurances of His favor and goodness. Uh, to us, well, we can trust those assurances with it, with our uh, with our lives. Uh, it does not cancel our awareness. That assurance doesn't cancel our awareness that God is holy, that He's Almighty and ever living, and that we, by comparison, are poor, uh, wretched, pitiable, blind. Uh, we we are we are aware that at least we were before Christ, separate uh, from God, and the fact that we now have been crowned. Princes and princesses, uh, and made his adopted children. It amazes us still uh, further still. So we, where there used to be an enormous gulf between um, sinful us and, and Almighty and Holy God, and He has reconciled us and not just brought us in, sort of, aren't you glad to be here? But He's actually made us princes and princesses, His children, heirs uh, of His kingdom. And so, 
confident. Uh, we're, we're, conf- we're confident in who we are in Christ. And yet we're aware of who we were. That's, a, that's a, sort of a dichotomy. Uh, a, uh, almost a paradox. We, we are confident of who we are in Christ as His children. Yet we're aware of uh, who we were. And so we come humbly. We come um, with gratitude. We come uh, with a, a sense of uh, awe and amazement. Um, and, and additionally, in, in addition to just re- recognizing our, our new station in Christ, uh, we've, already, we've already thanked God for that, we've, that we have received so much just in the sacrament. Let alone what we have received in our lives uh, from Him. We've, His favor and goodness, fellowship in Christ's body, uh, fellowship with God and a place in heaven. Dare we ask for anything else? Yes. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be given unto you. Over and over again, Scripture implores us, uh, compels us to ask God, to rest in Him, but also to ask God, to to come to Him with petition. We're invited over and over again. uh, And and yet, I mean, that should just amaze us. And frankly, it should humble us. And so we beseech God, but, but we humbly beseech God. And again, He's our Father. We talked about that this morning. I've talked about it several times. It seems to keep coming up. Uh, and there's a good chance that when things keep coming up, the Lord is pro- for me, the Lord's trying to teach me something. But what a privilege I get to teach it as well. But He is, um, th- in fact, this is why we can come at all. This is why we can approach the throne of grace, not just with confidence, but at all. Because He is our, our Father. He's, we, it doesn't say, we humbly beseech thee, O heavenly potentate. Or, or oh, heavenly judge. Those, those would be correct, but they, they're certainly not intimate. Um, oh, heavenly Father. Uh, he knows how to give good things. He desires to bless His children. Children uh, have full access to the Father. So I'm going to tell a story that I told in a sermon a few weeks ago. You may or may not have uh, been there, but uh, Thomas, my middle child, came. He's six, and he came... Uh, in the middle of the night, uh, about 3 o'clock in the morning, and woke us up because he had had a, a bad dream. And, um, and he, and in fact, it just happened the, the other night um, again. But he, uh, he said, um, he, he said, will you please come lay down with me in my bed because I, I am, um, I, I'm scared I have a bad dream. He just wanted, he wanted to be able to go back to sleep. But, it, but he, he wanted one of us to come in and sleep with him. And what I said in, in the sermon, it, it remains true. You and I may have a very good relationship, uh, but you cannot come into my bedroom at 3 o'clock in the morning and ask me to come lay down with you. Uh, there are limits to what you and I can ask of one another. But there is no limit to what my child can ask of me. Uh, there is absolutely nothing uh, at any time of the day or night uh, that Thomas or Caroline or Luke cannot ask of me. Uh, they have full access to their Father. Now, because I love them, I'm not going to give them everything that they want. Uh, but I will give them what they need, and I will delight to give them things that they, uh, that they want or things they hadn't even thought of yet. That's one of my favorite things, just to surprise them. Um, I did go lay down with Thomas that night. And, um, 
and uh, because he needed me to, uh, he t- he needed that comfort, and um, and, and so um, the fatherhood of God it makes all the difference. We are His children. We have unlimited access uh, to the Father. So just in that just in that address, uh, there is there's just a ton. So we hu- are humbly asking urgently. Uh, our Heavenly Father. Um, we're asking Him to assist us with His grace. Now, we typically speak of grace, we, we speak of the grace of God a lot here at the Advent, but we, we, we typically speak of it as a, as a legal reality. And that's sort of a cold way to say it. But it's, it's a change of status. And I've just sort of described it. There was a huge gulf between us because of um, God is holy and we were, we were sinful. And He, not because we deserved it, but because He loved us. He loved us when we didn't deserve it. God has crossed that gulf, taking upon the judgment that we deserve. And so the legal reality of grace is that, that He has paid our debts. We were indebted to Him and he's, He paid it for us. Um, our, our change has status. That's the primary way um, our status has changed. That's the primary way that Paul talks about and, and the New Testament authors talk about uh, grace. But there, they do talk about grace in other ways. Um, grace is something that we partake of. And sometimes they, they talk about grace as an agent. For example, Titus. Paul is writing to Titus uh, chapter 2, verse 11. He says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all peoples. And grace is uh, sort of a transit authority. It has brought salvation to us. It's, the, it's what carries uh, salvation uh, to us. Uh, and so uh, we are praying that, gra- that God would assist us with His grace, that, that grace would sort of be uh, an agent. Now, that may sound like semantics, um, but we're asking, uh, we're asking God to use His grace to, in order to assist us for the things that we're, that we're asking for. Um, grace is not material. Uh, it's, it, the legal reality of God's grace to sinners uh, creates an environment. It's just an environment in which we are free to serve God uh, from pleasure, from love, uh, rather than for the goodies. In fact... Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of times, it, so I would say the mark of a Christian, not, not it's not what makes you a Christian, but, but what, one way you can tell that you're a Christian is when you're asking God for things and you're fellowship with God and you're serving God because you want God. And He's, he's the source of those things rather than you want the things. Um, I'm not sure I said that very well, but we uh, religious people serve God to get the things He promises. But Christians serve God to get God. Maybe that's a better way to say that. Religious people serve God to get the things He promises. And Christians serve God uh, to get God. Because we already have everything we need in Christ. We already have get, been given and made full in Christ. And maturity in Christ doesn't represent graduation from uh, the gospel. Rather, maturity uh, in Christ is a constant return to the gospel. In fact, it's a stripping away of all the things that we would try to add 
the gospel. And a great title by uh, Tulian Chivijan. He spoke here at Linton, uh, the Linton series uh, this past year. He said the title of his book, Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And, and what we constantly, the, the point of the book and what we constantly try to do is we add something to salvation. Jesus plus my security uh, in this world. Jesus plus my happiness. Jesus plus my child being an all-star. Jesus plus something equals satisfaction or what I'm asking. Or actually, Jesus is the means by which we get those things. There's such great truth in that simple phrase, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Maturity in Christ isn't a graduation from the gospel, but it's actually a a constant return to it. The return to the gospel, uh, to the grace that we've been given, creates the power. It creates this confidence in us such that Grace becomes the agent by which we live out our faith. So there is an agency uh, to God's grace. And we're praying um, that God would assist us with His grace, that is, with that constant return to the gospel message that we have been saved and He has done it all for us, uh, so that we may continue in His holy fellowship, that is, we may continue in the church universal, and we continue uh, to our, uh, in our assured place uh, in heaven. That's um, the holy fellowship of those who are assured of their place in heaven. Can you lose your salvation? We're not sure, are we? Some people, no, yes, no. There's certain, listen, this is an age old debate. Can you lose your salvation? Um, people, Calvinists say, say, no. You can't. Once you're saved, once saved, always saved. Uh, and there are other people, and actually, they have scriptural warrant to say. Um, in fact, it was in our. Uh, there's one of the places you might look is Colossians. Then chapter one in Colossians, where um, it says that. Uh, in fact, I'll just I'll just get to it and read it, so I don't misquote it. Um. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and you who were once alienated, this is in the, uh, verse 21, chapter 1 of Colossians, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And if that was a period, that would be great, but it's not. It's a comma. If indeed you continue in the faith, Stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. I don't intend to settle the debate uh, right here. Um, but some, if, I'll, I, it's not a plane that I really landed in my own mind. But I will say this: what I, what I tend to think is that you uh, that if that you can't lose your salvation, uh, and if you if you are. Um, uh, if you walk away from your faith in Christ, then maybe you didn't really have it to begin with. Uh, they, I was actually led to Christ by a guy who, as far as I know, was not walking with Christ. Now, I, I haven't talked to him in a good number of years. I, I pray that he is. Um, but he kind of kind of flirted with it. And um, and I actually, I mean, it was attractive, and, and I came to Christ. Or he was, I would say he was a strong influence. Um, and yet, and then he kind of walked away. So, um and that's like the you know the parable of the sower, the seed that springs up but doesn't have a doesn't have a root and, and it withers in the in the sun. 
sort of a scary passage, uh, if you if you think about it. I don't really know, but I know that the, the sacrament of God's uh, Christ's body and blood points us to the gospel, and if we are to continue in that holy fellowship of, of believers who are assured of their place in heaven, then it's by His grace, and it's by the agency of His grace, um, and so we want to continue. Uh, in that holy fellowship, um, I, I don't think that once you've looked into the face of Christ, and I, I, I don't think we can lose it. Uh, but I think some people look near it and are attracted to it for a season, and that God can even use that. Um, but, but that's just where that's kind of what I think. I'm still at about 100 feet. I'm not quite, not quite down on that. Um, we're praying that we may continue in that holy, holy fellowship. And that's a worthy, worthy prayer. And we're also praying that um, that we may do all su- by His grace, by the agency of His grace, that we may do all such good works as He has prepared for us to walk in. You know, again, I, we spend a lot of time talking about our salvation doesn't come uh, by works. There have been uh, whole careers uh, made out of. Uh, Articulating where where do good works come in if we are saved completely by grace and we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin from which we're saved? Where are good? Why good works? Certainly not to uh, earn salvation. I'm going to go back to Titus because this is where the shoe sort of dropped uh, for me um, in, in seminary. I was preaching on on this passage in chapter two. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify Himself, a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. So salvation has come, and salvation, the grace of God, actually, says Paul, trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age as we wait for that blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who, and he goes back to the gospel, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people who are zealous for good works. Are you zealous for good works? Would you describe? I mean, would you look at yourself in the mirror and say, "I am. Ze- I really am. I'm zealous. I'm ze- I wake up in the morning. It's five thirty in the morning. I'm jumping out of bed. I'm excited to do good works <laughs> for God. It, it's a con- it's a constant. It's a it's, it's a constant battle. At least it is for me." It's a, it's a con- I mean, like just, I, I don't do good works. I mean, I might do some good works. I'm glad I do the good works, but I don't want, always want to do good works. But I want to want to. <laughs> I didn't, before Christ, I didn't really care. Like, if I did good works, I wanted to get something out of it. At least, I, I want to want to not care what I get. I want to want to serve God, serve Christ out of pleasure and love for Him. I really do want that. But I don't always want that. You know what I mean? 
Like you, you know that from your own life. You're just uh, we, where do good works come in? Certainly not as a as the means by which we are reconciled to God. But they come in as a witness. You know who needs your good works? Not you. You don't need your good works. You know who needs them is the people who don't believe. Or the brothers and sisters in Christ who are who are in trouble. There's a lot in, in Scripture about actually the first the first segment of the population that we reach out to are those who are in the church, fellow believers in Christ. And we also serve and we have good works as a witness, not self righteousness, uh, but as in serving those. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why do you love your neighbor as yourself? So that your neighbor will come to faith in Christ. It may be your neighbor neighbor in uh, in Fairfield. It may be your neighbor in Mountain Brook. I don't know. I don't know who God is calling you to serve. Maybe both. Um, but it, it is it doesn't they don't have to be financially poor because we're all spiritually poor without Christ. And there's always an op- opportunity to serve. And it's not always socially acceptable. Sometimes we have to plow through that and kind of do business with that. And I, don't, I want to be I want you to assure you that I do not always get that right. But I, um, I don't have to get it right. I can tell you what it says right here. Um, and we are to do good works for the glory of Christ, for the witness uh, of His kingdom. Uh, we, we do good works because they, they reflect the character and the nature of God. They bring Him glory. And as His children, that's what we want. Or at least, that's what we want to want. And life is, is uh, lived in that tension. So that's... That's really that's the prayer we pray it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, that's the only means by which we can can pray. If it's not a prayer in the name of Christ, whether you say it or not, if it's not through the uh, the mediation of Christ, it's not a prayer. It's bouncing off the ceiling because He's the only means by which we are reconciled uh, to God. That's the only means by which we approach God because we're in Christ. So we we pray through Christ our Lord, and we declare again with uh, whom with Thee uh, the Heavenly Father. And the Holy Ghost, the one who abides with us, be all honor and glory, a world without end. Amen. So, questions or comments or thoughts? Yes, sir. You started off saying that uh, this world is not the last place. Yes, sir. And you just ended up saying, world without end. Uh, no, I didn't. Phrase, that phrase no. is... Sure, you missed her. No, no. <laughs> Oh. Well, that phrase is, is always puzzled me a little bit, and I asked Gil Cracky in a class one time several weeks ago, and he very eloquently and learnedly explained it, and I thought I understood it then, but it's kind of like that salvation thing. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you think you've lost your salvation. You may not have had it to start with, <laughs> and several weeks later, I don't understand it again. What's this? That, that phrase shows up in other prayers. It shows the glory of poetry. It's, it's pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Where did it come from? Is it scriptural? What does it mean? Well, I can't give you a, uh, a scriptural reference, and I can't give you the history behind it, but I can tell you what I think. And that is that, that um, what the next life is described as is the new heavens and the new earth. And so that the world will never end. It will be renewed, but it will never end. And, uh, and I, don't know, I don't know if that's... I don't think we're transported off the clouds. I think what we have now... Uh, it, or at least heaven is going to—it's going to be in some way. It's like he, it's like Jesus' body, 
when he was resurrected, some people didn't even recognize him, and yet he looked like a man. He was able to do. He was able to show up behind locked doors, but but he was also able to eat fish and and, and break bread. So I, so there were, it was a, it was a body, and yet it was a new body. The new heavens and the new earth, they're not going to end, but they're going to be new. They're going to be renewed. And that's the best I can do with that. I don't have a history behind that. I think it's a great question. Um, but I think that I think that's got to be that wherever there's a world, wherever there's a, our existence, uh, that God will be there abiding uh, with us for His own glory. Do you know where this prayer came from? Who wrote it? Um, I believe that... Uh, I know that... There has been a post a post communion prayer. It's been a tradition of the church to uh, to pray after communion uh, since about the the fourth century, um, they, as liturgies began to develop. Uh, but I am fairly certain uh, I can say with reasonable certainty that uh, Thomas Cranmer wrote uh, the bulk of this prayer. It's been edited a little bit in, in different iterations of the prayer book, but it was uh, this is what um, Thomas Cranmer. Um, Wrote and for is pretty close uh, to what's in the 1662 uh, prayer book, which or 1559. You know, addicts wake up every morning and think, <clears throat> "I've got this beat. Uh, I'm not going to give in today." Uh, Christians, we wake up in the morning and we say, "Yes, I have a passion for doing good works." Yeah, <laughs> it's just all these things that get in the way. Mm-hmm. You know material things, secular things, political things. But think what it's like if you don't have a plan and you don't have a Christ to follow. Hmm. You know, I, I I think that a lot of times when I wake up in the morning, I, I doing good works isn't the first thing that's on my mind. You know, it's coffee or it's a, it's a run or it's go back to bed, it's only 5.15 or, you know, some... Um, but daddy, my diaper's poopy. I mean, something, you know. Um, so, I mean, it's ideal. But I think you're right. I mean, it's just a constant return and asking the Lord to... I mean, and that's why we receive this, and that's why we pray it every week. But it's important to just, again, pause on it and, and remember that we're praying it and not just reciting it right. When we talk about grace, are we really not talking about what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life? I, I it's, 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 it encourages us, it directs us, it teaches us. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a gift from God, but that gift, I guess for my mind, is the Holy Spirit working in my life to enable me to, I guess you'd say, be graceful. Yeah. It's through Him, through the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, that's just a take on it. It's obviously... Sure. Well, no, I, I would say that whatever the Holy Spirit um, is doing in our life is an act of grace. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's the sum of grace, but I wouldn't, uh, you know, the sum of, sum of grace is God's you know, one-way love for us, God's uh, un, unmerited favor. That he's put I guess what us. I'm saying is he does that through the Holy Spirit. Yes. And, and what the, what the uh, as we looked at last week, the articles of, of our religion uh, say... That um, that these are the sacraments are effectual signs of grace. So there is there is a working. Uh, some theologians said, you know, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved because there's always a constant working of the Spirit in us and a constant rooting out. Uh, we're definitely living in that tension, what they call the already and the not yet. So, yeah. We think of our parents or wives or husbands or grandparents who died.
as being in heaven. Yes. Uh, if you have spiritual food, why can't we have a spiritual world without end? Um, I don't know why we can't, um, but it seems to be, at least in what I, the way I read, Corinthians, Thessalonians, Revelation, um, and Zechariah, that there's a material element to it. It's not just a spiritual... Um, it's not just a sort of a wispy spirit. I mean, there's a there's a material element to to whatever is the new heavens, the new earth. Um, it, it could be, and it will be, however God deems it to be so, and however He has planned it. So, uh, but that's that's how I read it. That the, the new heaven, new Jerusalem is actually coming down materially, and there's a new heaven and new earth. But you know, I'm wrong. I'm wrong somewhere in there. Uh, maybe I. You know what? We're right. We're right at. Is there is there one more? Let's uh, let's let's finish with prayer. Uh, thank you, God, for all this, these things, and we thank you that there's uh, much we don't know, and uh, much we do know that we forget and and have to return to over and over again. Um, hold us in these things. Abide with us, uh, and that we might abide uh, with you. We pray, Father, that you would, as we take uh, the sacrament uh, of the Lord's Supper, that we would return to all that it assures us, all that it promises us and that we would continue in your holy fellowship, and that we would, by the agency of your grace, do all such good works as thou hast prepared for us to walk in. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen.